Again, just thankful to, to, to be here and to be able to, to bring a, a message and a word from the Lord uh, as he's uh, spoken to me in preparing this, and I hope that uh, he will continue to, to uh, speak and will speak uh, to, to you tonight. Um, do you ever wonder why what we believe is important? How, why being assured and, and rooted in, in our beliefs as Christians, why, why is that important? You know, do, do we uh, truly believe uh, in God's will and that he has a plan? And if so, how far is too far? Would we commit even our own life to these beliefs that we, we hold? So this morning we looked at a passage, and if you were here this morning, you know we, we looked at a passage in Joshua about the holiness of God and, and the need to recognize God as, as holy. And even though that's a, a hard concept to understand, uh, to, but to understand that, that we worship a holy, a jealous God, one that uh, we're to serve in sincerity and in truth and to serve him completely and perfectly and wholly, that we talked about that there's just no riding the fence in our commitment to serve the Lord. We also talked that, that we're given the ability to make a choice to, to, to do that, to choose him and to uh, choose him wholly uh, and, and, and to commit ourselves in, in that choice. You know, since uh, Jesus ascended to heaven, and we, that's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, we've been living in the last days. We hear the phrase all the time, but, but since that time, we have been living in the last days. Now, I don't know if the last day is, is 10,000 years from now or, or 10 seconds, but each day that passes, we are uh, closer and closer to that. But I think what we can say, and, and, and we even had a little conversation this morning in Sunday school about this, uh, I, I believe that we can see that we're living in a time now where as believers, as Christians, we are going to be called on to, uh, to stand firm outwardly in the beliefs that we, we hold, uh, the biblical beliefs, the truths that we know uh, of, of God's word, that we're going to be called to stand firm uh, in these days and in the days to come. So what I wanted us to do tonight was look and think a little more closely. What does it mean when we choose to serve the Lord? When we think about this idea of, of that type of commitment, I was praying through what, who, who are some uh, uh, examples in Scripture that, that we can look at and, and understand in a deeper way uh, what it means to choose to serve the Lord. How to live in a world that may often laugh at us, that may uh, scorn, uh, perhaps even persecute us uh, for the choices that we make. How do we live in, this, in, in a world um, of, of ungodliness and, and in a world where, where uh, it, it's said to, to, to do your own thing, to do whatever feels good. How do we live? Is it, it the words recorded in Titus uh, here? It says uh, in Titus uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 12, it says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. How do we do that? How do we live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age? So tonight we're going to look at um, really primarily three characters, although there will be a fourth one that, that, that is, really has to be part of this story. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, three characters 
that we may know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're going to be in Daniel, the book of Daniel tonight, and we're going to be in uh, chapter 3. And I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses, uh, but I'm going to read starting in verse 8 of chapter 3 to the end of the chapter. It says, For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, O king, live forever. You yourself, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Verse 12 says, There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Verse 15, he says, Now if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well, very well. But if you will not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And, listen to his words here, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Verse 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and stood up in haste. He responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. He answered and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm and The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And the satraps and the the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for, for these words. Thank you for um, uh, the example that we can uh, see tonight of the commitment of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Lord, most of all, I pray that we, we uh, look at this story tonight and as we come to understand uh, the truths that you have given us in, in this passage, Lord, I pray that we leave here uh, rejuvenated, joyful, excited to know that we serve the same one true most high God. And Father, I thank you for the opportunity to, to speak here tonight, but I pray that it's not my words, and I pray certainly that it's not my thoughts, Lord, but they, that they be yours. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so, so as we think about this idea of, of commitment or extreme commitment, uh, of, of choosing to serve the most holy God, um, we're going to look at, at the, uh, the glimpse of kind of the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So as I always like to do, I kind of like to bring us up to the context, in the context of where we are in, in this, in this uh, story. So um, if you look back in Daniel chapter 1, we'll, we'll see some of the historical context of, of these three, uh, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their friend, Daniel. So we pick up in, in, in chapter 1 of, of Daniel that, and come to learn that, this is, that it's in the third year reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And so then we, we go on to see in verse 3 that his, the, the king's chief official was ordered to bring uh, the best-looking, the most intelligent sons of Israel to be educated and cared for by the king. So, so think about that for a second. So, so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he besieges and takes uh, over Jerusalem, and he tells his uh, chief to go out and find the uh, most intelligent, the best-looking uh, sons, youth, of, of, of Israel and bring them and they're going to serve me as king. All right, so we see then uh, uh, in verses 4 and 5 that uh, these sons of Israel then were, were brought and, 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 and were taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans uh, and for the eventual purpose of entering the king's personal service. And among these sons of Israel were four men that are the focus of tonight. And at that time, they were boys. They were not men. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We also will find out in, just a, in that passage, if you keep reading in chapter 1, that they're, they're, those four were assigned new names. 
So Daniel was named Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, he was renamed Shadrach, to Mishael, he was renamed Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So we have these three young boys who, because of their looks, because of their intelligence, because of their um, ability to, to quickly uh, understand and learn, um, that they showed intelligence in every branch of wisdom, and they were endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge and were forced into a life that would allow them to be educated and cared for uh, by the king, but would also then force them into servitude to Nebuchadnezzar. So that's kind of where we are. So then we, we keep looking in chapter 1, and we'll see that even as young youth or, or boys, we, we begin to see something about uh, their character and who it is that they uh, were choosing to, to, to serve in their life. There's some glimpses of that. If you look in chapter 1, verse 8, uh, it's recorded that Daniel would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking the king's wine. In verse 12, he was able to convince uh, the overseer of their care to allow he, uh, uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, to only eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days. And if their appearance began to suffer, if, if they began to look sickly or whatever, then they would, would eat what the king provided. That was, that was what uh, Daniel convinced him to do. Verse 15 says at the end of those 15 days of eating just vegetables and water that they were much fatter from eating just the vegetables and, and they looked uh, much better than they did before. Now, I'm not going to comment on getting fatter by just eating vegetables, but we'll just go with it. That's what the Bible says, right? So, uh, verse 17, uh, we, we then begin to see that the boys were, were given uh, educated and they were given knowledge and intelligence and... Uh, Daniel was also given the ability to understand all kinds of visions, which if you read the book of Daniel, you know that becomes very important uh, through, throughout the book. And in verses 18 and 19, these four, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, were found to be exemplary among all the youth. None were found like them, it says. And it says those, these four entered the service to the king Nebuchadnezzar. So it's kind of odd that captive people, people who are forced into servitude, would, would kind of rise up in the ranks of, of serving the king. But that's exactly what happened. We, we see that even though they were a captive people, they were prosperous. And one, because of their uh, abilities, uh, they were given authority and uh, uh, found uh, uh, respect uh, from, from serving from, from King Nebuchadnezzar. But as we just read, we see, we pick up in chapter 3, uh, we, we come to, to see what's going on now. Nebuchadnezzar uh, has, has made an image and he has is, he is issued a decree that commanded everyone to bow down and, and worship this image. And so we, we come then to this scene here uh, where um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are given a choice they have to make. Who is it that they're going to serve? And so let's, let's look in, at this passage and for, for a few minutes and see what are some things that we, we can come to understand, some truths. Now, to be honest with you, as I was working through this, you know, I was taking notes, and I probably had 15 points. So we're not going to have 15 tonight. We were able to mark some of those down. But I think we have five. 
So the first one that I want us to look at tonight is that, um, uh, that I think we can glean from, from this, this, this story, this, this, this time, is that an extreme commitment to, to God and to being a Christian means that we're often going to be part of just a few. You see, these four were standouts. They, we, we see that um, uh, God had given them knowledge and intelligence and literature and wisdom and, and given Daniel the ability to understand uh, visions. They excelled despite their circumstances. And so they were a standout, but then soon they became a standout for another reason. And that reason was they were faced with a challenge, one that was life or death by the decree of the king, that they were to choose to, to bow down and worship the, the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had created. <clears throat> you know, when, when we think about that, that level of commitment, and when we think about the, the consequence of, of that decision, you know, thankfully, we, we at least are in a, in a place in, in our country where we're probably not going to get thrown in a fiery furnace, right? So hopefully it'll stay like that. But it's nevertheless just important to understand that oftentimes as, as believers, we're going to be put on the spot to, to, to choose uh, God over uh, the things of the world and we'll find that, that we're often part of just the minority. I think Scripture even points to that. Um, and, and certainly statistics point to that. I mean, it's estimated just simply in Illinois alone, there are over 8 million people who, are not, who do not know Christ as their Savior. You know, which means that, that, that at least these statistics say that there's about 5 million uh, who do. But that's still less than half. I uh, heard this past week uh, at the IBSA meeting uh, a missionary from Spain who said that less than 1% of people in Spain are evangelical believers. Not just Baptist, but just evangelical. All Protestant religions. Less than 1%. You know, we, we as believers in this world often, and, and, and the reality is, we are a small representation. <clears throat> You know, the, Jesus uh, uh, says in, in Matthew 7, he says, um, uh, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. We're often going to be the few. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and we don't know why in this section Daniel's not mentioned here. It's possible that he was away and he wasn't seen not bowing down. Uh, but as we'll know a few chapters over, when he's thrown into the lion's den uh, by another king, uh, that, that Daniel stood, would be one to stand firm as well in, in, in his, uh, his commitment and in his belief. But, but they were certainly here the minority. It doesn't tell us how many people but of all the people that were around, all the people that, that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had, had, had uh, uh, brought around uh, and those who came to him complaining, uh, they brought a complaint of just three people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three people who you've put in authority, king, over, ba uh, over um, um, Babylon, these people that you have put in authority, they're not listening to you. So they were, 
They were a few. They were the minority. But as we're going to see that it's in our smallness of influence that God works. That we see God do amazing things. And that's what we'll see here in just a moment. So even as believers, even when we're called to, to make an extreme commitment, extreme choice to serve a holy God, and that, that decision means that we will be few in numbers, that allows God to do a mighty work. I think the second point that we can glean from, from uh, this, this story um, is that in extreme commitment derives strength from unity. Uh, let's back up a, a, a one chapter and look in chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of, of Babylon. So in this, this, this part, this passage there, uh, the, the king has had a dream. No one can tell him what it means. And, and so Daniel goes and, and, and together with his three friends, they ask God for wisdom and, and, and uh, compassion so that he could understand the meaning so that he and his friends would not be destroyed. So the idea here is that this was a unified group of, 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 four, of four guys. You know, we're living in, a, in, in times, again, where we see um, perhaps our comfort as Christians uh, uh, eroding. It's not surprising that um, uh, we, we even see within our, our, our own uh, uh, larger uh, universal church uh, compromising on doctrine and theology and biblical mandates. We, we've come to recognize a, a culture where we're Sin is acceptable. We, we've allowed unchallenged the, the devaluation of human life. We even see division and hostility, uh, in, in, which highlights our nightly news, even in reference to believers. Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Bendigo and, and Daniel were unified. They, they came together in their strength to withstand the pressure of, of King Nebuchadnezzar and all uh, the threats that were being made against them of, of death, they were unified and found strength in that unity. You know, the idea of unity among believers is, is found uh, throughout scriptures, but, but, but why do we need to be unified? Well, I think it goes to the very purpose of, of the church and who we are as believers, because if, if we believe, uh, as it says in Romans chapter 12, that we are uh, as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes and generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So can you imagine if you get up one morning and, and uh, you know, your left arm wants to uh, read the newspaper and your right arm wants to play the piano, 
All right, and your left foot wants to go for a walk, and your right foot wants to prop up on the coffee table. Things would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? Your body would be doing all sorts of things, and, and you wouldn't get anything accomplished. You know, the idea of, of the church being, you know, the body of, 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 of Christ, and, and each member having a role, is just like our body working in unison, working together. And I think that we see here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel that they were unified in their commitment that no matter what the threat was, whether that would be a couple chapters over, a lion's den for Daniel, or whether that was a fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they were going to commit to the one true God. The idea of unity is critical to our ability to impact our world for the gospel. To find uh, uh, strength in our individual determination, uh, to be steadfast in serving the one and only true God. You see, when we choose to serve him, we are choosing above all to put the body and unity above our own personal desires. And I think we, we glean that here from, from the interactions and, and the of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I think it speaks to you and I that we can always uh, we can have times where we may not agree with each other. We may look at things differently, but ultimately we put aside our own cares, our own desires, our own fears, even to work together as the as the body of Christ. And in that unity, God does amazing things. So, the third point I think that we can glean here from, from this passage is that extreme commitment or choosing to serve a holy God, extreme commitment requires steadfastness even in the face of persecution. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said this. You know, they could have said, well, you know what, this is what we'll do. So, Nobody knows what goes on in our heart and our head, so we can just bow down at that image, at that, that golden image, and, and pretend like we're worshiping that image, but, but be praying inside to, to the one true God. They could have done that, right? But they didn't. It's this idea of, of, of being steadfast in our commitment, even in the face of Persecution. You see, a commitment to a higher level of moral behavior may bring about personal consequences to us, but it also may bring about a response, a response to the gospel. And we'll see this here in just a minute. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were consistent in their behavior. They were steadfast. They refused to worship uh, the idol by kneeling um, Uh, Despite the threat of being thrown into the furnace, they were steadfast in their belief and actions. Didn't go so well uh, for them. It made King Nebuchadnezzar very mad. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I I had never thought about this, and I'll just share it because I thought it was was funny. I chuckled when I was reading the commentary on this passage. When it talks about that Nebuchadnezzar was so mad, he heated the furnace up seven times which in, in, in the use of seven was to make it the hottest possible. That means it couldn't get any hotter, right? But what he was trying to do, uh, he was in his, his anger, he was tr- heating it up to, to make it more painful uh, to, to, uh, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when you heat it up hotter, that makes it less painful because it would have been instant 
uh, death, right? So I don't know if you find that funny. I just kind of chuckled that, that, that sometimes uh, uh, in, in our wrath and, and anger uh, and, and trying to prove a point, Nebuchadnezzar uh, was really making it potentially easier uh, for, for, or less painful for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, but nevertheless, in that um, they were consistent, even in the threat of death, so as, as, the, as the church, we have to begin to ask these difficult questions. How do we then stand firm in, with the spiritual battles that we face? You know, if we cannot get along with one another, certainly how can we fight the battles uh, that will come, the battles that, that, uh, that we're promised that, that, we, that we will see, the battles that, um, uh, that are, are against uh, 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 not against flesh and blood, but against the, the, the struggle that... Let me just read the verse. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. How do we do that if we're not unified, if we're not uh, 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 serious in our commitment, even in the face of persecution. There's no indication of a fracture of resolve with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were committed to serve, to worship God. They were committed and resolved to stand firm, even in the face of persecution. The next point is that extreme commitment recognizes the sovereignty of God. Look at uh, verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. It says, verse 17, it says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Listen to verse 18. But... Even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Extreme commitment recognizes the sovereignty of God. When we choose to follow God, to to stand firm for his commitments, even in the face of persecution, we can find assurance that God is in control. I mean, you hear this in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to the king. God will save us if you throw us in the furnace. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, king, that we're not going to worship the idol that you've created. So the outcome didn't matter to them. Because either way, they knew that God's plan was greater than their own comfort in that moment. They knew that God's plan had a greater purpose for them. They demonstrated an extreme commitment and understanding of the sovereignty of God. Psalms 135.6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. God is in control. He's sovereign. His plan, he has a plan and a purpose. And see what, to to me, this is exciting news. Because it's not up to me. (laughs) Because I'll mess it up. God has a plan. 
And if we commit to Him and we commit to, to serving Him despite what any uh, uh, threats there may be, what any other people may say, God will be glorified and His plan and purpose will be evident to those uh, uh, who, who, who uh, are involved. You see, when we willingly commit our lives to the one true holy God, the outcome in this world, uh, the fiery furnaces that we may face really do not matter. These three, these three guys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, demonstrated faith that despite whatever happened next, they were committed to the one true God. They knew God had a plan, and his plan was perfect. The last point... <clears throat> is that extreme commitment is not understood by the world, but points to the work of the Almighty God. I know most of us probably have heard about the recent kidnappings in Haiti of the, the missionaries. And uh, as far as I understand, that's still not resolved even to this day. But when I first heard the story and <clears throat> didn't know any of the details, I, I, uh, my mind went to uh, Jordan and Rebecca. You see, Jordan um, is a young lady that uh, about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago was uh, in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. Uh, she finished college and taught school for a couple of years, and she and her friend Rebecca, about 10 years ago, quit their, their day job as teachers and packed up and moved to Haiti, where they live today. And so I was certainly worried about my friend Jordan, and, and, uh, and Rebecca. And so it took a few days, but they were able to kind of post a, a word out that, that they were okay. Uh, they, they serve a very rural area of Haiti. They're about eight hours from Port-au-Prince where most of the violence is taking place. Um, but they, they were able to, to uh, send out a, a message that they were fine, that they had heard about the kidnappings, and, uh, but, but they uh, were, were safe where they were and was telling those some of the impact that, that all the violence and things that were happening in Port-au-Prince and these kidnappings, how it was impacting their, their ministry even eight hours away. But the thing that, that struck, out to, uh, struck out to me was, was just these words that they put. Uh, they wrote, We appreciate your concern for us and the people in our community more than we can say. And we ask for your prayers for Haiti and it's beautiful people. They didn't ask for prayer for themselves. <laughs> they didn't ask for prayer for their own safety. They asked for prayers for the people of Haiti, for, for Haiti and its beautiful people. You know, that, that may not seem significant, you know, but it, it just jumped out at me as I, I reflected on an extreme commitment to the one true God doesn't make sense. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a dad, as a, a person who, who uh, uh, you know, knew Jordan when she was younger, and, and, you know, I had that fear for her, but she doesn't have fear because she understands the commitment that she's made and to, to the God that, that she serves to the point that her desire is only for prayers for Haiti and for its beautiful people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actions, their actions uh, demonstrated to all those, including Nebuchadnezzar, that an extraordinary divine act had just occurred. You see, here was the problem, really, that Nebuchadnezzar challenged, his challenge wasn't 
to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look in uh, verse 15 of, of chapter 3. He said, um, Now if you're ready at the moment, uh, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigun, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you will not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And this is what he said, And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? You see, the challenge was not uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Nebuchadnezzar was challenging God. (laughs) What God can rescue you? I'm God here. I tell people what to do is what Nebuchadnezzar was saying. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Well, you see, God did deliver them out of Nebuchadnezzar's hands. You see, we worship the the one who is greater than any king because he is the king of kings. Extreme commitment is a privilege. It's an honor to serve him. It's not about fear, but it's about relying on his plan, his purpose, and his promise. No matter the outcome of this life, if we commit to a holy God, uh, he will be glorified through that commitment. The world, though, will never understand our commitments. They will never understand um, uh, why we do what we do to serve Him. The world just wants us to put hope in those things that are finite, those things that have an ending. But we serve an infinite God whose power, whose majesty, and whose work has no limits or bounds. Extreme commitment goes against what everyone else is doing. You see, God's work from the faithful will always reveal His desire to save the world. Verse 28 of chapter 3 says, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own. God's protection of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego brought attention to himself. From that, God revealed himself. You see, God's desire ultimately is that, that all people are saved. It's one of his attributes. Where he, as he saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a fiery furnace, it's really a picture of salvation that he desires to save all people. You know, he's given you and I as believers the, the task of, of, of not being the one who saves, but of taking the good news of the gospel of Christ into the world. Because Christ is the one who saves. This picture of God in the story of Daniel 3 is one of salvation. It's one of hope and it's one of promise. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 14, says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The world won't understand this commitment. 
The world won't understand that um, through this commitment, God will reveal himself. And simply, our faithfulness to, to make this commitment to serve him, even when it's um, in times of persecution or even when it's difficult, uh, that we then are the light of the world. And we can let our light shine before men and it will draw those men to him. <clears throat> so let's be challenged tonight. Let's, let's, let's be challenged to um, live out this, this commitment. Live out uh, a commitment that brings glory to Jesus and brings about a, a blessed assurance, as we sang about tonight, of eternal life to anyone who desires to accept that salvation from Christ. So as we close tonight, the question for us all is, is, will we have that kind of commitment? Will we have the same commitment as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So in, in just a moment, as, as we sing a song, this is a time to, to really make that commitment, whether it's to pray at the altar, to, to, to talk with someone about uh, a commitment that, that uh, you're being called to. But let's look at the life and the, 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 the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their understanding who they were serving and that despite the risk, despite um, the, 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 the possibility of death, they chose to worship the one true God. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you tonight. I thank you so much for just the reminder of uh, the joy and the peace and the assurance and the confidence that we have as believers in you and your will and your plan. Lord, I pray that uh, as we live in, in days that uh, we, we may be uh, challenged more and more for, for our steadfastness and faith, Lord. I pray that we be found steadfast and, and, and firm. Lord, I pray that uh, no matter the, the uh, threat or the, the potential outcome, that uh, we will stand firm in our resolve to serve you, the one, the true, most high God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for uh, uh, salvation that has made a way for us to, to live in a right relationship with you. Not only today and in this life, but in our life eternal. It's in Jesus' name we, we pray. Amen.